You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by our friends over at ProPrep, part of the 90 Min Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition, I'm going to be sharing with you guys my stance on Mikel Arteta and his future, because obviously there's been a lot of debate, there's been a lot of discussion there's been a lot of conversation off the back of a really disappointing performance at Everton, a really disappointing result and some very dodgy, to put it politely, decisions made by the manager. Is the process working? Can we still trust in the process? Will Arsenal pull the trigger on Mikel Arteta prior to the end of this season? We're going to be discussing all of that on this edition. And, um, you know, it, today has been a really kind of weird day for me work-wise. I've, I've had all different things going on. I've just literally, as we come live, finished a commentary um, on Zenit St. Petersburg versus Chelsea, which is my first ever Champions League commentary. So I'm buzzing about that. And I'm buzzing that it was a really cracking game as well, because a 3-3 draw um, with lots of action and, and with Chelsea already qualified and Zenit no chance of qualifying, it felt like it had the potential to be an absolute stinker. But actually... Uh, it was a really, really good game. So I'm buzzing about that, which means I might be a little bit more positive than some people in the chat. But no, jokes aside, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Mikel Arteta situation. I want to share my thoughts, my stance, if you like, on the manager. Um, what I think we should be looking to do as a football club in terms of moving forward. And, uh, and get some of you guys' thoughts in the live chat box as well. Uh, big hello to Russ, to Daniel, to Riddy, uh, to Inter, to Tuco, to Bowboy, to Shivster, some of the usual faces in the live chat at the moment. I hope you guys are all well. If you are watching this back a little bit later on, uh, big hello to you. And if you're listening to this, of course, via the audio platforms, hello to you also. Make sure you hit the like button on whichever platform it is you're joining us from. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't done so already. So without further ado, let's get into it. What is my stance currently on Mikel Arteta? Well, I kind of want to start off by talking about my stance on Arsenal as a team, because I think that's important. It, the, the two are intertwined, right? Mikel Arteta is the manager. He is responsible for the team, its development, its progress, and ultimately footballing matters. So what have I made of the team this season overall? Well, I think that there are still a lot of shortcomings. There are still a lot of problems with this team. And, and for me, I don't know about other people, that unbeaten run that we went on, that didn't tell me otherwise. That didn't convince me otherwise. That didn't convince me that Arsenal were at a level whereby we should, um, you know, we should be definitely competing for a, a top four position or that our, it never told me that our level was increased significantly from where it was at the back end of last season. But I think the problem here is that for some people it did. I think there are a lot of people out there who, whether they care to admit it or not, is another thing, took those results and those positives and as a consequence saw their expectations inflate with regards to what it is that Arsenal could achieve. I've said to you guys time and time again on this programme that there will be bumps in the road, that there are cracks in this team, that there are problems in this team and that we are going to have dips in form. 
dips in form for this Arsenal side are not a possibility. They're an inevitability. Is that the word? Yeah. They're inevitable because of the level at which we're at, which is not a very high one and, and not as high as some people maybe got sucked into believing off the back of that run. When Arsenal win a game, it doesn't mean that they're the best team in Europe. It doesn't mean that their world beat is equally when they lose a game. It doesn't mean that they're the shittest team ever to take to the field. And a little bit more um, perspective sometimes would go a long, long way. I think going to Liverpool and getting beaten was a, a given, was something that I expected. Going to Old Trafford was a game that, I thought we could get something from, but it wasn't crazy or ludicrous to predict that Man United were going to win that game. So those two, my reaction, as you'll know, if you listened or watched the podcast to those two defeats, was not very big. You know, I was disappointed more so about the Man United one because of the nature of it, because I thought we made mistakes, because I thought we were stupid. And the nature of the way in which we threw the game away was really, really difficult to take. But losing at Old Trafford, losing at Anfield, it wasn't, really impacting or damaging my opinion of this team. And then we go to Everton on Monday night and we perform incredibly poorly. And a lot of the issues that we'd previously complained about with Mikel Arteta, for example, um, allowing or leaving Thomas Partey in the middle of the park and asking him to control the midfield entirely alone while Granit Xhaka pulls out to the left to cover the left back who is playing like a left winger. I think that for me was almost a throwback to, to three months ago. You know, those were the same problems that we were seeing previously. And a lot of us hoped at the very least that we'd learn from them and maybe moved on from them. His in-game management on Monday was shocking. We, I said the point on the show yesterday with Mike that if you pick, if you start um, Lacazette, Tierney and Xhaka, all of which don't have enough fuel of the tank to, to go 90 minutes, you've ultimately decided your substitutions for you or, or, or you've decided your substitutions before the game's even begun. That was a great point made by Gunnerblog. I'm not going to claim it, but I kind of regurgitated it on, on the podcast we made yesterday. I think that the way in which we crumbled was totally unacceptable. And then at a time where we're bemoaning the lack of quality in the striking areas, Eddie Nketiah comes on, misses an absolute sitter, question marks over why he was on the pitch in the first place. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does the same. And, and at, on the one hand, you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, these are such fine margins. You know, it's 1-1, Eddie Nketiah scores, we're 2-1 up. We probably see the game out. Everton low on confidence as it was. It would have felt like a real kick in the teeth to them. And then Arsenal go and win. And all looks rosy again. And then you're praising Arsenal for bouncing back after that defeat at Old Trafford. So things are being determined right now on really fine margins. And the reason they're being determined by such fine margins so frequently is because we're not creating enough chances, because we're not creating enough of those golden opportunities in which games are won and lost. And, and so when we get them, there's almost this desperate need to take them. Otherwise, um, we find ourselves in the shit. So... I think for me, um, my expectations of Arsenal from the beginning of the season have always been for Arsenal to finish in the top six. I kept saying it. If Arsenal finish in the top six, 
Mikel Arteta has achieved what he should achieve this season. If Arsenal could go one better and finish fifth, that would be a good season. And if Arsenal could finish in the top four, well, that would be bloody fantastic. But as I said to you guys the other week, that's the ceiling of this team. That's the absolute maximum that this team can achieve. And and I was I was saying that at a time where Manchester United were in the mud. Manchester United, if they get back on track, I bet you all now, I, I, I'm, I'm certain of it, Manchester United will be good enough to get in the top four. Over the course of the remainder of the season, they got a wonderful run of fixtures now up until March, I think. Manchester United, with their individual quality and individual brilliance and a competent coach at the helm, are better than Tottenham. They're better than West Ham. And I believe that Manchester United finish in the top four this season. So the door was open slightly because of the way Manchester United have been playing into the top four. And people got sucked into it. People got carried away about it. When actually... Our remit and our objective should have never changed. It should have been to get in the top six. And that is it, because that's where we are. You know, people talk about us spending so much money. We spent a lot of money on a lot of players, but it's so evident and so clear that we need to spend a hell of a lot more money to cover other areas, to make sure that we can, um, you know, we can continue to move in the right direction. The level of the performance at Everton was was the biggest disappointment for me, more than the result. And I said that on the post-match podcast. When you lose like that, it hurts. And you only have yourselves to blame. I just think for me, we're in a place now where there are questions being asked about the manager again, and rightly so. But what this all boils down to now is the club are not going to sack him. They are not going to sack a man that they have gone so big on. And I always say this, not just in terms of the players they've brought in for him or the money they've afforded him to spend in the middle of a global pandemic, but also in the decisions to get rid of people, people who were problems at the club or that Mikel Arteta felt were problems at the club. Arsenal backed him blindly and said, you know what? I don't care what we invested in this guy a year ago, a month ago. I don't care what contract he's on. We'll bomb him out if you don't think he's the right man. We trust you, Mikel Arteta, to control that element of things. And we trust your judgment on those things. They trusted him. They backed him. They supported him. And the guy's not been in charge two years yet. So if they do really believe in this long-term process, it's a term that pisses people off. And I understand why to a degree. But if the club really do believe in this long-term plan and this long-term path back to where they feel they should be, then to sack him now would go against that. And that's why I don't believe the club would do it. It's almost an admission at this stage in his career from the club. To by It's an admission on the club's part, if they were to sack him now, that they were wrong to hire him in the first place. You know, you look at the league table now, Arsenal are in seventh place. We're a point off the position I expect us to finish in, which is sixth. We're four points off of the top four. We're not a million miles away and we're by no means out of the running. I know the performance against Everton convinced people that this team were definitely not ready and definitely going to finish and fall lower than sixth place. But we have fixtures coming up that the club will look at and feel are winnable, whether you or I do, you know, is, is a different matter. But they'll feel like some of these fixtures are winnable. And therefore... They're going to give him more time. I think the only time you see Mikel Arteta sacked is when it becomes nigh on impossible or as close to impossible as, as you want to take it 
to achieving the objective, which is to finish in the top six and get Arsenal back in Europe. I'm not saying that Arsenal should keep Mikel Arteta. I want to make that clear because people in the chat box are telling me, you know, you're, you know, you're backing in blindly. I'm not. I'm telling you, as somebody who covers the club incredibly closely, that in my opinion, based on what I've seen, heard, read, Mikel Arteta isn't going anywhere at this moment in time. Now, you can try and crucify me for that. And you can have a go at me. And I know that this podcast, before I've even put it out, is going to get heat. It's going to cause debate. It's going to cause frustration among some of our listeners and viewers who are of a very different view. And that's fine. I know it's going to piss you off. But the reality is he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere until either Arsenal's chances of finishing in a European place are completely gone or are in tatters or at the end of the season. And it's whichever one of those comes first. You know, it's it's a it's a really horrible situation to be in as fans because a lot of us clearly don't have faith in the manager. A lot of people, um, you know, don't have faith in, in the project, don't believe in it. And, and that's fair. But if you're going to sit there every day and shout from the rooftops, Arteta out, Arteta out, Arteta out, you're wasting your breath because he's not going anywhere. He's been through rougher rides rougher periods in his Arsenal tenure uh, already than he is going through right now. It's three defeats from four, two of which were at Anfield and at Old Trafford. I don't think it's as bad as some people are making it out to be. Michelle in the chat says, what the hell are you saying? The club will not sack him because fans like you back him. Michelle, my opinion or my reluctance to, to stand up in a football stadium and shout, fuck this guy, sack him off today has absolutely jack shit to do with what the Cronkies are going to decide to do. It's got nothing to do with me that Arsenal are where they are. And it's got nothing to do with me whether Arsenal decide to stick with this manager or not. And I'm quite frankly fed up of hearing people say crap like that. Like, I get it all the time. I get it on Twitter. People like you are the problem with Arsenal. How am I a problem? My decisions or, or my opinions, my views in no way impact the views of the Cronkies. The Cronkies don't even know I exist, yet people want to suggest that my views are what contributes to their decisions. It's mad, but you're giving me too much credit because I have absolutely jack shit influence over what the club do with regards to their manager. So we've established that, in my opinion, he's not going to get sacked now. The next phase is, what would I do if it were me in the driving seat right now? If it were my football club, if I was sitting in my ivory tower, counting my millions and presiding over Arsenal Football Club, what would I do with Mikel Arteta? During my time covering Arsenal under Mikel Arteta, I've been largely positive about him, but I have had moments where I've felt differently. I have had moments where I've questioned whether he's the right man to take us forward. I think the biggest one for me was Villarreal in the Europa League. That was really tough to take. And I remember going on the post-match um, reaction show, um, you know, saying he's, he probably should go. I don't know how he recovers from this. Another moment I had was at the start of this season. And, and I think that one was a little bit more rash and a little bit more stupid because... 
when I look back on it, I'm actually ashamed that I was so knee-jerk after the first three games because there were extenuating circumstances around that period. There weren't when we got beaten by Villarreal. We had a couple of injuries, but not enough to completely derail the team the way we were derailed at Brentford, for example, by COVID and the injury problems that we had. So I think my second wobble was probably a bit OTT. And, and when I watched it back or listened to it back, I remember kind of cringing at myself and thinking, OK, I think I might be overreacting here. Everton was another point for me where my stance has slightly shifted on Mikel Arteta. And the nature of the performance was probably more of a driver in that than the result. I think you can lose at Everton. I think it was inevitable that Everton at some point were going to come good. They're a club that, you know, have talented players, have a very good manager in Rafa Benitez, have a very atmospheric old school stadium that can be a very difficult place to travel to. And, you know, unfortunately for us on the night, we weren't good enough and Everton were able to take advantage of that. And they put us to the sword. Look, it's the Premier League and, and defeats will happen. Now, they can happen anywhere in this league. You know, we've seen some really shock results. Crystal Palace went and won at Man City. Who saw that coming? You know, Watford uh, have pulled off a couple of wonderful results. It's been, you know, uh, there are a lot of shocks in this league. There are a lot of results that you just simply can't predict. So, I've gone around in a circle, but my my stance or status or whatever you want to call it around Mikel Arteta didn't really drift or shift because of the result, more so because of the performance. So what has it shifted to? It's shifted to a point where I believe that Arsenal as a football club should be on the lookout for a new manager. Arsenal Football Club should be in the headspace whereby they are preparing for the possibility that in the next few weeks, things go to shit. Things get worse. And one of the things I'm really conscious of not happening is that when we got rid of Unai Emery, if you remember, we did it without a plan. We sacked Unai Emery and we put Freddie Lundberg in place for a few weeks. And look, let's be honest, it didn't work. A lot of people, one of the thing that they one of the things that they throw at Mikel Arteta often is, well, when Mikel Arteta came in, we didn't have a new manager bounce, but everybody else has one. Or more often than not, people have one. So why didn't we have one? Why didn't Mikel Arteta bring a new manager bounce? And I think the reason for that is the new manager bounce normally comes when the problem is gone and someone comes in immediately that is better or is better fitted, or is a better, or, or brings a freshness that is needed. What happened at Arsenal when Unai Emery was sacked? Freddie Lundberg comes in, who was part of Unai Emery's staff. You're not really freshening anything up. Add to that that Freddie Lundberg is not what I would class a Premier League level manager, not at this point in his career, he might go on to be one day, but he's not there yet. And there is the reason why you didn't get your new manager bounce. Is it partly down to Arteta when he came in? Did you expect him to then lift everybody? Maybe. But it was harder to do so when Emery had gone. We hadn't really seen much improvement in that short period of time between Emery and Arteta. And then he's having to lift it from an even lower position. So I think that had a lot to do with the lack of a new manager bounce. And what I don't want to see Arsenal do is pull the trigger on Mikel Arteta and then spend three or four weeks looking for a manager. 
that for me is not helpful. That for me is something that is going to put us back further, potentially. You bring in a new manager because you want them to come in and change it instantly or at least start to, um, you know, you at least start to, to change things into the right direction or shift things in towards the right direction. So I think if Arsenal are going to pull the trigger on Mikel Arteta, I just want to see some forward planning. I just want to see Arsenal be in a position to, a bit like Spurs did with, with Pochettino, sack Pochettino, the next day Mourinho is confirmed. Now, I know that that's not always nice on the manager. It feels like, as a manager, if you get sacked in that situation, in that instance, that you you feel almost betrayed because you have you know and you're fully aware that the club have already held talks with someone else. But that's the nature of this business. And, and I called Mikel Arteta yesterday in the podcast, if this was to happen to him, collateral damage. Someone who would probably feel a little bit betrayed, but would just have to get over it. And the club would just have to be comfortable in making him feel that way if it meant that it, the team improves off the back of that. So my stance, my my view now is that we have to be alert to the fact that this could potentially go wrong. We talked about last season a lot at the beginning of this season when we were trying to kind of draw comparisons and when we were trying to, you know, establish how much, if at all, we'd progressed. And what we saw was we went for a really bad period, didn't we? Uh, around sort of October, November, um, which which saw us ultimately fall so far off the pace that even a good run after Christmas meant we couldn't close the gap and meant we couldn't achieve what we needed to. So that was a rot. What we're on now is a dip, but there is the potential that that dip can turn into a rot if we don't bounce back quickly. And Arsenal were always going to have ups. Arsenal were always going to have downs. This Arsenal team was never capable of being consistent over the course of an entire season because if we were, we'd be nailed on for the top four. And I think most sensible Arsenal fans out there would tell you that we've never been a nailed on guarantee for the top four this season. So the ups and downs, they'll come. The downs will come. But you have to stop the dips turning into rots. That's how you, that's how you find a level of consistency that is enough to be in the conversation for the European places. And remember, this is the Premier League. People take points off people all the time. It's not like there's teams outside of the big three, I would say, right now, that are capable of winning every single game. So there will be slip-ups. There will be opportunities. You don't have to be completely consistent. You don't have to be completely perfect, but you need to be consistent enough. And can Arsenal be consistent enough by preventing the dips turning into rots? I think that that's what you got to look at. I think that's how you got to condition yourself as a fan to understand that these periods like the one we're going through now are going to happen and be able to, to put, not brush them under the carpet, but put them to the back of your mind and now focus on bouncing back. We've got five fixtures that a lot of people would argue are winnable now. And if you can win four of them and look at the table again after that period, it'll probably look very, very different and a lot more encouraging. So the point is there's going to be ups and downs. You have to be there in May. And you have to make sure that the long-term or, or the, the dips, as I say, don't become long-term rots because when they do, they become increasingly difficult to get out of them. With each passing week you're failing, the mentality gets impacted more, the, the confidence gets dented more, and it becomes difficult 
to pull yourself out of that. So I think it's really, really important that we bounce back against Southampton. And um, yeah, let's uh, let, let's see what happens. So as I say, I don't think the club are sacking him now. I don't think the club are sacking him tomorrow. I don't think it's on their minds at the moment. But the club have to be feeling out potential successors so that in the event that it does get really bad over the next four to five weeks, they've got the ability to make that change and make it at a point where we could still salvage something from the season. So, yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at on Mikel Arteta. I don't want to see him sacked tomorrow, but I do want to see Arsenal at least preparing for the eventuality because it is a, a real possibility that things are going to get worse and that that dip that I'm talking about is going to turn into a rot, in which case then we'd be well within our rights to want him gone. Let's go over to uh, the chat box and take... Um, some of your comments. Uh, uh, Charlie D says, none of this makes any sense. I, I knew that this would be the case. I knew that people um, would would uh, would disagree with me. And, and that's absolutely fine that we can disagree with one another respectfully. I, I guess my mindset is, why am I going to go crazy about a potential sacking that I know isn't going to happen at this point? Like, I know it's not going to happen at this point. I know that you're not going to wake up tomorrow and see Mikel Arteta has been sacked. I know that you're not going to wake up on Friday and see that Mikel Arteta has been sacked. I know that you're not going to wake up on Saturday and see he's been sacked. So between now and Southampton, let's focus on beating Southampton rather than focusing on kicking Mikel Arteta to the curb. Ashani Gordon says, Harry's need to be a balanced journalist leads to him being toothless. That's absolutely not true. And this is the kind of criticism I get all the time. And listen, you know, if I was so bad at what I do, Ashani, with all due respect, I wouldn't be in the position that I am in today. I'm not in the position that I want to be. You know, I, th th hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, there's much more to come. But there isn't a need to be anything. There's a need to keep doing what I'm doing, which is giving my honest, I think, thought out opinions on the football club that I love because that's what served me so well so far. So, you know, people can say that I've got this need to, like, what need have I got to be overly nice to Mikel Arteta? Come to the Emirates Stadium on a Saturday or on a Sunday. Where are you going to find me? Most of the time, you're not going to find me in the press box. You're going to find me in block six in the North Bank, shouting, screaming, doing everything like everybody else because I'm a fan first and foremost. And, and and I really do get frustrated when people question that. I was an Arsenal fan long before I was working in this industry and I'll be an Arsenal fan long after that. Uh, Schiffster says, you're spot on. We should be on red alert. If things get even worse, we need to have a plan of action. Absolutely. Um, completely agree. Um, Schiffster also goes on to see, say, realistically, we can't sack him right now because we're still in the race for fourth which is where this squad should be at the moment. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, Fred says, what is the evidence that we're going to bounce back? Well, we don't know. I'm not saying that we're definitely going to bounce back. But you have to give him the opportunity to bounce back is the point I'm making. You know, if you are knee-jerk after every single game, then you'll never get anywhere. And, and I accept that a lot of the issues we saw at Everton have been recurring issues over the two-year period. But if you think about the second half of last season and the majority of this season. So put the first three and the last three, uh, you know, aside, 
there has been some progress. It's probably not enough. I agree with that. But you can't be so short term in your way of viewing things. Because as I say, if Arsenal go and win four out of the next five, which is very doable when you look at that fixture list, all of a sudden we're back in a position that we were in three weeks ago when people were jumping up and down and buzzing. So football can swing very, very quickly. And, and you know, that's that's why I'm willing to give them an opportunity. I said I'd give him to Christmas earlier on in the season. This run of games that I'm talking about, four or five games, takes him up to that point and we can reassess it again then. And if he does enough and if he's almost flawless and pulls out the results that we need, then he continues. If he doesn't, then we can have the conversation again. But going back to the original point, for Arsenal to be one point off of the position I expect us to finish, I set Mikel Arteta as my target. He's one point off of that now. I'd be a hypocrite if I said we should sack him now off the back of that. If that gap widens and the performances continue to be bad, then you've got a good point and we can have that conversation again. But on the one hand, you're telling me that I'm I'm not honest in my opinions and I'm toothless or, or whatever it is that was said in the chat. Yet on the other hand, you're asking me to be a hypocrite. You're asking me to go back on what I've said and what I truly believe off the back of one defeat against Everton. Because, and don't say it's just it's not just Everton, because the reaction to Mikel Arteta was not even 50% as, as strong as it has been off the back of the Everton game prior to that, off the back of the Man United game, off the back of the Liverpool game. So I I, I call me toothless, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I said I'd give the guy to Christmas. And with him being one point outside of the position I believe that this squad is capable of finishing in, it would be hypocritical of me to sit here now. I'd be like just I'd be just like a lot of the others looking for clicks, shouting and screaming on a channel for the sake of it. I'm not going to do it because it's not what I genuinely believe. Um Sanyam Cooper says uh, off uh, Sanyam Kapoor, sorry, uh, off the off topic, but says, where's your commentary on? Uh, you can find them on the Flash Score app wherever you are in the world. If you'd like to tune in, I'll let you know my next game uh, via Twitter. Uh, Ibrahim Saeed says, Harry, don't you think another coach would achieve more? Arteta has had two years and money to spend. I think there's an argument that an, another coach would achieve more. Absolutely. And that's why I'm talking about us looking at the possibility of bringing someone else in, looking at the possibility of you know, cutting ties, but it has to be done properly and it has to be done right. You have to bring in an upgrade and you have to have that in place before you pull the trigger. I genuinely believe that because with the margins so fine, with the table being as close as it is, you know, there are four points. In fact, there are six points separating eighth and fourth. With everything being so tight, you can't afford to waste weeks without a manager looking for the next the next option. And that's why I'm saying that I'd be sounding people out. I'd have my ear close to the ground. I'd be trying to work out whether or not uh, we could prize away some of those potential managers that people have, have been talking about. And if that's possible, that contributes to your decision on Mikel Arteta. But at this moment in time, if that's not being done, you can't just fire a guy without a plan. It, it cost us last time and I don't want to see it happen again. Let's take uh, a few more of your thoughts. Um, Mr. Joe Kerr says, with the prospect of getting a top six finish and a League Cup trophy, do you think the club renew him or look to take the next step forward with a boss like Mancini or Enrique? I think if we were to 
to finish in the top six, you'd have to say that he's achieved what he set out to, which was to get us back into Europe. A League Cup trophy obviously buys him a bit of goodwill with the fans and a bit of goodwill with the club. But if the performances continue to be like they were against Everton, then even if he does achieve that, I would still say, Mikel, thank you very much. Um, you've overseen a major overhaul in terms of personnel, which can't have been easy. You've got us back into Europe. Um, and, uh, you know, after we dipped out of it while we were going through that transitional period, but we don't feel like you're the right man. And again, it depends on the availability of others. You know, you mentioned Mancini and or Enrique. I'd have both of them over Mikel Arteta. I've never sat here and said he's the best manager in Europe or that he's better than everybody else. But similarly to the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer situation at Manchester United, someone can oversee a rebuild. Someone can help you clear out the shit, change the culture at a football club and then get to a point where tactically they're not at the level required to move on to that next step. I think that's what happened with Oli. He did a lot of good at Manchester United, but it got to a point where they were now ready to compete at a higher level and Oli wasn't. So you have to sack him and you have to bring in someone else. And I think Mikel might well get to that point. I'm not saying he's going to be the manager for the next four or five years. Um, but what I would say is, are our board ruthless enough to make that decision, I think they have to be, uh, and I think they will have to be. And if they don't, that'll be a reflection on them rather than anybody else. Look, I'm probably not fit, well, definitely not fit to be the Arsenal manager. But if you offered me the job, I'd bloody take it because it's a dream job. And and that's why, if you're angry at these people, keep, if you're angry at the fact that he's still in the job, direct at the people who are keeping him in the job rather than the guy who's living his dream and really trying hard to turn things around. Um, SP says, Harry, I feel like we're overreacting a little bit. If we win the next three games, I think everyone will forget about this. I agree. And it, and that, that's what irritates me, the, the constant up and down. Look, there are a lot of people that I know, people in the chat, um, who, uh, you know, have been consistent about wanting Mikel Arteta out. And I've got, although I disagree with them and have disagreed with them for a long time, I've got a lot more respect for that than the people that flip-flop. Then the people that one week say that we're going to finish in the top four and the following week tell me that we need to sack the manager. That's, um, you know, that's that's where I'm at. Just a quick um, message before we continue on through the podcast. I just want to bring it to you guys' attention that this show is sponsored by our friends over at ProPrep. ProPrep is uh, a study tool. Uh, for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths-related modules, and it can half your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. It's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've learned with practice questions and interactive exercises. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive video answers within 24 hours. And our friends over at ProPrep have created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk slash info slash football for more information. And our listeners can sign up for a free 30 day trial now without inputting any credit card information. That's ProPrep, P-R-O-P-R-E-P dot UK slash info slash football pro prep, the ultimate study tool. And as always, we thank them for their very kind support of the podcast. Right. Let's um, 
Let's continue through some of these questions for the last sort of five minutes. Johan says, do you think Arteta brought Xhaka back into the midfield in order to give confidence to Partey playing alongside him? I do. I think that he looked at the way Partey had been playing recently, saw he was shot of confidence, saw he was struggling to almost babysit and play his role. Because as good as lokonga has been, there have been naive moments. The same with Ainsley Mettner Niles. Um, and, and fortunately for us against a lot of the opponents during that run, we were never exposed for it. I do think that he looked at what happened um, or, or what has happened with Thomas Partey in the last few weeks and felt that bringing Xhaka in might be a boost to him. I said it pre-match. I said that it, it might give Partey that little bit more license to venture a little bit further forward and get involved in the game higher up the pitch. Didn't work out though. Um, and I'm not even saying it was the right call, but I think it, that was probably the thinking behind it if I had to guess, yeah. Uh, let's take uh, a couple more. Um, Freddie McTickles uh, says, I totally get the point Harry's making. The actual club won't sack the manager. That's the sort of problem now. My problem is the total lack of creation in this team. No strikers fixing that. I agree. It's more than um, more than just about changing the striker. Nobby Clark says, thank you for not being hysterical like some other YouTubers. Thank you, mate. Uh, Maximus says, Harry, you're a good bloke, but let's be real. The points you convey do come off. As being obsessed, as someone being obsessed with the manager, how is this garbage sustainable? I'm sure you're smart enough to have foresight. I, it, I'm not obsessed with any manager, man. I, I'll back any manager that's a, that's in charge of Arsenal Football Club. Even when I got to the point where I didn't want Unai Emery anymore, and I got really angry about the Unai Emery thing just because it was because of the whole situation. Because there was a lack of a plan. We had Sven Mislintat bringing in players that Unai Emery didn't even want. We had a manager who couldn't decide what system he wanted to play from week to week. And and we threw away a, a position of great strength at the end of his first season. We just about missed out on the top four. And then we were embarrassed in the Europa League final. And I was really upset, disappointed, frustrated by that. Not all of that was Unai Emery's fault. A lot of it was to do with the club and the structure around him or lack of. And, um, and yeah, look, look, I'm not saying that Mikel Arteta is perfect. And it's not even personal to him. It's not even that I like the guy. You know, it's it's purely that my expectation levels as a consequence of where Arsenal have been in recent years have dropped. Some people will say that's accepting mediocrity. I would say that's being realistic. And I don't believe that we're going to get back to the Champions League places overnight. And I keep making this point because it's the most powerful point, I believe. You cannot justify sacking somebody when they're one point off of the position the club have have set out they need to achieve. Edu never said it publicly because Edu didn't want all of this crap. He didn't want to say we want to finish. If he'd said we want to finish in the top six, half of you would have gone, well, that's a real lack of ambition. That's disgusting. Get him out. Had he said he wants to finish in the top four, the likelihood of him achieving that would have been very low. And then you'd have said at the end of the season that Edu never achieved his objectives. Edu was very clever in that interview and did the right thing, in my opinion, by not setting out a league position. Doesn't mean, though, that there wasn't one set out behind the scenes. It doesn't mean that Edu and Mikel Arteta don't have their own internal objectives. Doesn't mean that the Cronkies don't have their own internal objectives. It's people jumping on a bandwagon and assuming they know what goes on behind the scenes and the inner workings of a football club. And the reality is that a lot of us, and I include myself in that, have no fucking idea what is going on behind the scenes half of the time. So I am sure in my, what well, my view is that there, there was a discussion and that the remit has been set for Arsenal to get back into Europe. 
And when you're one point outside of the position that gets you there, it's not enough of a cause to sack a manager, in my opinion. Anyway, um, let's continue. Uh, Thomas says, um, agree with your view, Harry, but can see us finishing sixth or seventh this season and treading water after that. Don't think Mikel is the man to take us to a title charge in a few seasons' time. I agree. You know, I don't think he's the man to take us to a title charge. I don't think someone with so little experience can take you to a title charge in this league. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Ian says, uh, but Harry, did he not get the opportunity to bounce back after the debacle he had in the first half of last season? And he did bounce back in the second half, mate. You know, you look at Arsenal's record in the second half of that season. I think it was the second or third best in the Premier League. If that's not bouncing back, I don't know what is. Um, let's uh, let's pick up a couple more uh, before before I wrap up. Um, Yonick says, what was your target for him last season? Sixth, did he meet it? No, end of debate. No, he didn't meet it. Um, he didn't meet it. And uh, and I said at the end of that season that this season now was the last chance saloon for him. And that's where I'm at. You know, I'm at a place now where this season is the last chance saloon, but I can't make a decision to pull a plug on someone because according to a lot of you, I do make all the decisions and I'm the man with the power. Um I can't pull the plug on someone when they're a point outside of where I expect them to finish. It's not a big enough drop-off. It's not a big enough fall-off. The performance against Everton was a massive concern. And um, if that doesn't improve, then we can have the conversation again. But he ain't getting sacked between now and Saturday. So let's focus on Saturday's game. Let's see uh, what else we've got. I'm going to take just a couple more before I uh, I let you go. Uh, the abuse is getting to me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Colin Farrell says, Harry, this manager couldn't get us on the Isle of Wight ferry, let alone Europe. Uh, Gam Sola says, why is it that we can't keep the same intensity for longer periods? I agree with you. Big problem. Um, big problem. Inconsistency has probably been my biggest gripe with Mikel Arteta. And that can sometimes be a consequence of him pissing around with the team. That can sometimes be a consequence of playing with... Um, with a lot of young players who are notoriously uh, or, or who are notorious for lacking inconsistency. You know, it's, I said this a few weeks ago, you know, Saka, Smith Rowe, wonderful footballers, adore the pair of them. And they're a big part of Arsenal's future and rightly so. But if you look back at what they produced last season, when you, when people were kind of first started raving about them and you compare that to the other wingers or other attacking midfielders in the league, players that play for the clubs that a lot of you feel we should be finishing above, they didn't even make a dent. And they've started this season and Emil Smith-Rowe's upped level a little bit. Saka hasn't, not in terms of goals, not in terms of assists, not in terms of outputs. He's got to do more. And ultimately, you can't be like, oh, I want these guys to play every single week because they're the future and the bright kind of sparks and the saviour of our football club and then say, oh, but the manager's an idiot because the team he's picking is never, isn't scoring goals frequently enough. Like, do you see what I'm saying? There's a lot of hypocrisy in the way that people are looking at this. And, and you know, I love the pair of them and I'm not digging them out. I'm not saying they're the reason we are where we are or the sole reason, but they're a part of it, just like everybody else that crosses the white line wearing that Arsenal shirt. The, the individual mistakes need to stop. The lapses in concentration need to stop. The missing of glorious opportunities needs to stop. And 
as a manager, I always say this, and I think that the role of a manager is in a lot of people's minds overblown. As a manager, you set up a team that can defend effectively and that can create chances. And we're falling short on the creating chances bit, by the way. But if you create that environment, then after that, there's not a lot you can do. You can make tweaks, you can make changes that impact the game directly. But ultimately, you need the people to to step up and do what it is that they are being asked to do, what they're being paid to do. Eddie and Ketty is a fucking striker. He gets paid to put the ball in the back of the net. And he pops up with free headers at the far post and misses glorious opportunities. And that can potentially see a manager getting sacked. You know, anyone who's played the game of football knows that you can miss a chance no matter how good you are. The problem lies at the fact that we're not creating enough of them. And that's why there's a lot of it on the manager. But as well, there have been so many kind of sliding doors moments under Mikel Arteta, whereby if we'd taken a, a big chance or if we hadn't made an individual mistake, the, the outlook could have been completely different. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, look, I told you, I think that Arsenal should be sounding out a potential replacement. I think Arsenal should be making inquiries under the radar, of course, as is common practice in football nowadays. Arsenal should be preparing for the possibility that things don't improve in the next four or five weeks. And if that is the case, I'll be the first one to sit here and say, he's got to go. And if he goes and we've got a new manager in, um, great. You know, a new manager who is ready to take on the role and will be an upgrade on Mikel Arteta, I'll be delighted. If you're going to sack him after Saturday, for example, if we fail to beat Southampton and then leave us four or five weeks throughout the busiest, most important period of the season during Christmas without a manager, that is ludicrous management. It's awful management. So, yeah, let's see what happens. But mark my words, he ain't going anywhere. He ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Dean says that uh, looking suave, mate. Date night tonight. Thank you very much, mate. No, uh, not a date night, mate. Um, been working, been commentating on. Zenit versus Chelsea, and I'm going to go and uh, inside the house, enjoy my dinner, which I haven't eaten yet, at half bloody eight at night, and uh, watch the second half of the eight o'clock Champions League game. So, uh, yeah. Right, going to leave it there. Uh, thank you for all your input. Even if you disagree with me, it's no problem. As long as we're disagreeing respectfully and having the conversations, um, I, I enjoy it. You know, I do enjoy it. And I like it when people challenge my opinion it makes me think about it harder and i feel that that helps me to put across better arguments so i'm you know i'm pleased that there are people in the chat that challenge and if you challenge respectfully then you can challenge me every minute of every day and and, I, and i'll take it on you know it's it's part of the fun of it it's, it's part of what i love about this community that we've built here on this channel um when the abuse kicks in i don't want to hear it I'm not interested but we can have good and structured discussions and and for me i don't think that your viewpoint is crazy i don't agree with it but i don't think it's crazy but i'd like to think that you don't think that my opinion is crazy as well or can at least admit that there are some valid points to what i'm saying because i wouldn't say this if i didn't believe it i genuinely do believe that we're not in a position where our season is doom and gloom yet yet and if you as a football club have showed all the signs that you back this manager to the hilt and you're going to give him everything that he wants and everything that he needs and you're going to bend over backwards to um, to accommodate those needs and wants, then I'm pretty sure you are not going to pull the trigger on him at this point. Why? Because you don't have to. Because 
the situation isn't that bad yet. Anyway, uh, love this from Yonick. He says that Harry Simu versus Arteta hair off set up now. I'm having a bad hair day today as well. Um, I had to pop out earlier on and I got, and it was just after I drilled it. You know, you don't let it set. You don't let it dry. You walk out into the blustering wind and rain and yeah, all over the place. Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. If you're watching this back later, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, hit the like button. If you haven't done so already, in fact, let's check in where we are on the likes and set a little bit of a target between now and the end of the outro. Uh, we've got 48 likes on the board. Let's try and get it up to 75 at minimum. I'll be delighted with that. Get involved. Let me know your thoughts. Check out the links in the description. Check out Pro Prep, who kindly sponsor this podcast for the month of December. And we'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to...